Hey, folks, I'm Tom. And I'm Keith. And you know this drill. We're going to remind you about the Dunlap Champions Club. But uh, in particular, with spring football underway, the spring game coming up, we do this every year, so do Seminole Boosters. It's the perfect time to sample the Dunlap Champions Club. If you've never been there, 70,000 square feet of air-conditioned space, those those uh, seat-back chairs, even got cup holders in them, all the things, the amenities that uh, sometimes you think about, where in the world is all this in a stadium? Well, you got it right there. All the TVs, the ability to get up and mingle between floors. This would be a perfect opportunity if you've never been to the Champions Club to sample it during the spring game, get a taste of it, and see if it might work for you. They invite, they encourage it. Uh, Many of you, your first time to the uh, Champions Club, the Dunlap Champions Club, may have been a a previous spring game. Uh, So here's the number to call. Make a note, 644-1830. Tell them Tom and Keith told you to call. You want to go take a tour, check out the Dunlap Champions Club and enjoy some spring football. And also, enjoy Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. We have a plethora of topics to cover today. Spring has sprung, and it's sprung well. FSU, unbeaten in softball. Unbeaten. Unbeaten in baseball. Unbeaten. The only team in the country that can make that claim, or Power 5 anyway, with both both its teams on the diamond unbeaten. Football, spring practices going. Unbeaten. We don't hear music. Unbeaten. (laughs) We can't do better than that. Let's just finish the show on that note, Keith. Well done. Well done. Track and field national championships on the indoor side this weekend. We're going to talk to one of the Florida State stars who uh, shone brightly at the ACC championships as FSU battled from behind to win another the title dude, on the men's the side. The dude can run. He can run, no question. And, uh, and oh, by the way, there was a, a small little basketball game last night at the Tuck that I believe you were involved in. You were sitting, let's see, one, two, three. You're sitting four seats down from me. I waved at you occasionally. I didn't throw anything at you. I, I was afraid you. I'd hit Debbie or somebody. But So... Clearly a tale of two halves. I'll just start here, and then you can react. The first half, I don't recall the last time I saw a Florida State basketball team look that bumfuzzled or whatever the word is you want to use. Uh, bumfuzzled is a real good word. The second half was as the intensity level they played with was as high as I can recall seeing. And so if you play with that intensity, postseason going to be pretty good. Two observations. Number one, I sat there at halftime, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, now we're, we're playing on Wednesday instead of Thursday. I've got commitments, which means I've got to drive to Charlotte. I can't even go up with the team because i got things i got to do next week. And 19 points was a season low for the first half of a ball game. And I'm going, man, we, they worked so hard. They've done so much to get to this point to look so bad. Then they come out in the second half, they go on that 15-6 run, get it down to 4-6, or six, whatever mathematically that was. And you're exactly right. The two things that jumped out at me were the intensity. And then after the game, comments from Coach Leonard Hamilton, they, he talked about the way they were defending Florida State and the way they were taking away the angles that Florida State was used to. And if you go back and think about it, in the second half when Forrest and Nichols and to the degree that MJ was, when they would drive the lane, they would push themselves inside. They would not allow themselves to be pushed out. 
And because the officials were allowing them to play a physical ball game and allowing the defenders to get their bodies on them, they were allowing the offensive players to push against them. And that that changing of that angle and, and, and decreasing the arc of when they were trying to get into the lane, Leonard was explaining, if I understood correctly, was what changed everything about their offense. And the intensity obviously was, was I mean, whatever was said at halftime, they came out a much different squad just from an attitude and an effort standpoint. Florida State wins at 73-64. They get the double bye. I thought Leonard hit the nail on the head. We A lot's made of the double bye. The bigger brag point or takeaway there is that you finished in the top four in the league which comes selection Sunday is is going to be more important I think than than what happens there the reality on the double bye is uh, you know you will have had five days off whoever you're playing will have just played the day before and might be a little bit comfortable and oh yeah it, it probably is going to be Virginia Tech again in that game that was the other part of it and I you know and again we're listening as the game was going on uh you know uh uh, Wake, Wake Forest, who Florida State plays on Saturday, who's had a horrible year. They've not been yeah, they good were beating, at all. They were beating Duke. They were beating Duke and ultimately lost by one point. Now, granted, Duke's is without Zion Williamson, et cetera, et cetera, but they were in Durham. They were in, uh, you know, uh, Cameron. Cameron. And, and so a game that you anticipated might be a little bit of a time. And, of course, Leonard and his staff is going to have to make a decision. Do you rest some of your starters? Do you change your rotation any at all? Do you do, you do anything different? I say maybe not because with that 12th win, let's see, that's the fourth fourth time that FSU has won 12 games in a conference regular season, three in the ACC, one in the Metro Conference. If they beat Wake Forest, they will have 13 wins. That's never been done in school history, in school history. So do you pay attention to that? Do you balance that? What do you do with it? I don't know. That's Leonard and his staff's decision, but certainly an opportunity for Florida Well, State. I would. To me, basketball is more about uh, continuity and confidence than it is the rest at this point. I mean, it's still one game over the next eight days. They can they can play the guys for that one. Um, I'm going to make another point about the wins here. I, I will remind our listeners that uh, Tim Linnefelt will join us next segment, our Seminoles.com Insider. I can promise you we will talk – football for the entirety of that interview and i know this because we actually recorded it before the basketball game so we're, we're doing basketball right now then we'll get to the track interview um but I, I caught up with terrence mann after last night's win he finished uh with 14 points six rebounds four assists two steals you know just fills out the box score as he the always stat does. stuffer as and, they like and to for him on senior night to, to go out and get a win um that, that's apropos for for the career he's had so just take a listen to this short interview Terrence, what emotions are going through your head right now with that comeback win in your final home game? Uh, I'm just excited to be able to go out like that, um, you know, to do it in front of all these people for the one last time. And to have it be a game like that, overtime game, where we have to fight back to shows, you know, what we've been through as a team for these past four years. You know, we're always fighting. Um, you know, people are always riding us off, and we're always trying to fight back and get our name out there. The intensity in the second half was as good as I've seen it. What was the halftime adjustment? What was the difference first half to second half? Uh, we just recognized who we were, you know, just being able to recognize who we were, a bunch of dogs trying to get downhill and get scrappy, and I think we kind of got away from that in the first half, um, you know, settling for jump shots and stuff like that. Um, we amplified the pressure on them in the second half and then got back to what we do. You've got a lot of basketball left, obviously, with the postseason getting ready to start soon, but how do you want to be remembered here at FSU as you finish up at home? Uh, just a winner, you know, being able to go, I think, 49-3, and three, um, the last three years in home games, I just want to be recognized as a winner. Um, you know, that's all I want people to talk to me about. Man, that boy knew how to win. You talk about people not giving you a chance, kind of writing you off. You guys thrive on that, don't you? Yeah, we definitely thrive on that. Um, you know, I think we definitely opened a lot of eyes these past three years. 
uh, that I've been here, you know, starting with uh, when we went to the second round three years ago. And then, you know, obviously last year with the uh, Elite Eight run and then now just being a top 15 team um, and finishing fourth in the ACC. All right, best of luck this weekend. Thank you. Terrence, man, what a what a good kid, good story. And uh, I thought the media did a nice job in writing the senior night stories leading up to the game about how when you look at that class and who he came in with, you know, guys that are in the NBA like Bacon and Beasley, and yet Mann's the one who at the collegiate level really put a bigger stamp on the program. He, Terrence, don't worry, you're going to be remembered as a winner. There's no question. And, and, and you know, the whole issue about one and duns, or in Bacon's case, the two and duns versus the kids that stay for the full four years, or even in Phil Kofer's, uh situation where he um, had a medical red shirt and actually was here for five years. You know, these are kids that, that you could look back on five and 10 and 20 years after the fact, and, and they're the ones that you probably look on fondest. I mean, we're going to love uh, Beasley and Bacon. We're going to love Isaac. But we remember, those of us who have been around for a while, we remember the George McClouds and, and the Sam Cassells and the Bob Suras, you know, and they all had great professional careers, whether it was in the NBA or overseas, but they were not here for just one year or two years. They were here long enough for us to get to know them and uh, getting to know Terrence Mann and those other four, with the exception of Nichols, who obviously was the graduate transfer this year. I mean, it's been fun to watch these kids play and watch them grow up a little bit. I'm trying to think of other athletes in Florida State history that are going to be that are that are similar to what Mann was which is uh, you know it's not fair to call him supporting cast because he's been more than that but yet he's, he wasn't the headliner and he's been a key guy for for four years now um, I mean he's just gonna I, I could be wrong on this because it's been so long I feel like maybe Jeremy Morris back in the day took a back seat to JD Drew but Jeremy Morris was a I think he was a four-year guy playing baseball which you don't get a lot of and I'm sure there's other examples I haven't given this a lot of thought but I mean man uh, it, it it was a it's been a career for man and I, and I look forward to the postseason. Here's here's what I was going to say related to the wins, Keith. You're talking about ACC wins. The school record for wins in a season is 28, and that's when they lost in the championship game to John Wooden and UCLA, UCLA in the early 70s. They're sitting at 24 right now. You got Wake, you got an ACC tournament, and you got an NCAA tournament. So if FSU has the kind of postseason that we all want them to have. They're going to be at or set a new school record for wins, and and that thirty mark, which you you sometimes think of as non achievable anymore, is in play again as you talked about because you get twenty five at Wake if you're fortunate, you win one or maybe two in the ACC, you're at twenty six or twenty seven, you win three games, you make it to the second weekend in the in the NCAA, and you're right yeah. there looking at thirty, which is um, you know by far. Uh, something that uh, I think at the beginning of the year, if you just said we could achieve that, I think many would have said, I, I don't know about that. That might be a little bit of a reach. Well, it's going to take getting hot. I mean, the, the other thing about the NCAA tournament, they're going to be seated well. Their body of work is good. But, uh, you know, you get a bad matchup, you can get bounced, which doesn't mean you were out coached. It just means it's the tournament. Well, here's the other part that's encouraging about last night. They played horribly in the first half. I mean, they were down by 14, and I'm going, there's no way they can come back because Virginia Tech is a, is a top 15, top 20 program. But they did. There's going to be a time, either in the ACC tournament or more importantly in the NCAA tournament, when you have a terrible first half. Can you come back and, and, and rectify it? Well, they've proven they can do that at least on one occasion. Well, more than that, they were losing to Louisville. Now, these were home games, but they were losing to Louisville by six at the half. 
the Clemson game, which really started the run when they were one and four, it was the 12 or 14 minute mark in the second half before they woke up and turned that game around. But I don't think you would, I think you would agree that those first halves were not as bad as oh, Virginia no, no, Tech no, first no, this half. one was bad. I'm just making the point they have resolved. Even when we did the LSU game earlier in the year, I think LSU was up six points with a couple minutes to go. A couple of those correct. games in Orlando, mm-hmm. Florida State yep. wiped out six or eight point deficits in the last three minutes. Okay, so a great night for basketball. They finish up at Wake uh, this weekend. Football is really the story, though. Spring practice is underway. That means Kendall Bryles is here, Randy Clements is here, Ron Dugans is here, and our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, who is always here, will be here uh, when we come back. Uh, before we before we step aside, I do need to tip the cap to, uh, to Madison Social. Uh, they always do a great job, and Keith, you're probably aware, but the Alumni Association had the Seminole 100. I was there. You were, well, then you are. Well, then take it away. Well, I just simply tell you that Madison Social finished uh, in the 90 number, but the the hospitality group that Matt Social Thompson, Catering, yes. yeah, and that Matt Thompson and, and those guys and ladies have that have uh, Centrale and Madison Social finished number two, number two in the top 100 of Seminole grow, uh, firms that have grown, and the number one group. Is is that fighter pilot out of Las Vegas that if you hadn't read about, you you need to Google that does training for calling in airstrikes. Now, if you don't think that's a stressful kind of thing, <laughs> that's a good group to lose to if you're going to lose. But my, Matt and his people, people Matt Thompson and his folks, finished second in the top 100. Yeah, congratulations there, and we appreciate. By the way, Prime Meridian Bank was 57th. Aha. Uh-huh. One of our great sponsors. You want to just read the list? They are as well. I'm not reading 100 names. Okay. We'll step aside, come back, and get to our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld, after this. Great deals on new, yeah. But have you seen our used car inventory? We are Truck Central. Best used truck selection anywhere, from this 93 Stepside Silverado to this 2016 GMC 2500 Duramax diesel four-wheel drive and everything in between. You'll never get a better deal or be treated better than right here at Hobson Chevrolet Buick in Cairo, Georgia. Come see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy your Chevrolet the Hobson way. Go Knowles! Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. If one quote can save you 15% on car insurance, imagine how much 9 or 10 quotes might save you. Hello, I'm Bobby Bacon for the Earl Bacon Agency, and we've been independently shopping insurance for local families and businesses for more than 50 years. Our company partners include top national carriers like Auto Owners, Nationwide, Travelers, and Liberty Mutual. And we don't just stop at car insurance. We also shop the best deals on home, health, and life insurance. So if you believe your insurance program could use an upgrade, there's a better way to shop. Call the Earl Bacon Agency at 878 or visit us on the web at earlbacon.com. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
Back on Front Row Knowles, we've been talking basketball, talking football, but Florida State excels in every sport it competes in. And as we open up the Earl Bacon Agency uh, hotline, I'll remind you that the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We're going to talk some men's track and field. We have not done this yet this season. The indoor national championships are this weekend, and uh, Florida State on top of the ACC again. And a big reason why is Kassan James, who's a junior sprinter from Chesapeake, Virginia. He joins us now. Kassan, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am doing great. So I want you to take us back to the ACC championships, understanding that much of our audience may have never seen a track and field meet before. And the way it <laughs> sets up is that the four by four is the is the final event. So Florida State was down by a few points. Uh, you were part of uh, that, that that relay team. Uh, I know you went into it knowing that you needed to finish in X place to, to pull out a championship. So just kind of set the scene there for us and how it unfolded. Okay, well, the 4x4, four four, like you said, it's the last event. And most of the time, this is the most intense event because of the fact that everyone is trying to score points by the end of the meet to, to, to get that final score, get that final spot. So I had already ran the 60, the 200, and we put a 4x4 four four together based on the times everyone has ran throughout the season. So I was told maybe 30 minutes before we had to run a 4x4, four four, my coach came under me, he said, listen, no pressure. He said, do what you do, but I, I do want to let you know that we need this. We need these points to win. If we're going to beat BT, we need these points. So I said, all right. And um, I just, at, at that point, I all I had to do was go into my mode and just think about winning the team title and, and everyone doing what they had to do. So me and the other three guys from the 4x4, four four, we just got together. We said, look, we're going to put it all out on the line. We're going to go all out. And that's what we did. So it really came down to the last leg. We, I kind of got the baton in third place, and from there, I knew I had it. I just knew that I had to push, 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 and I came through with a 40-46-4 split, and we ended up winning the, winning the meet. Congratulations to you. Yeah, you win that race, and I guess you finished as co-champs with Virginia Tech. Uh, but exactly, so, yeah. yeah. So this is a name that, that even non-track, uh, but just FSU fans will know. So Walter Dix, you were the... You were the first Seminole to since Walter Dix as a freshman in, in 2005 to win indoor titles in the 60, the 200, and also as part of the 4x4 four four team. So I realized that 2005, man, it makes me feel old. Uh, you weren't exactly uh, glued to the, to the computer or the screen watching Walter Dix, but I know you know the legacy. So to be in that company, uh, what, what kind of honor is that for you? Uh, it's a huge honor just to be mentioned with Walter Dix. Of course, Walter Dix is the NCAA record holder in the outdoor 200 meters, which is which is amazing to me. I've always grew up listening and hearing stories about Walter Dix. Of course, he's like a, a big guy in the track world even today. So to be in that company, and to, when, when Bob actually told me that I um, was the first person to do that after Walter Dix, it made me feel, you know, a, a sense of pretty much honor and, and humbleness to just know that I was able to do something like that because I, I, I wouldn't even put it into words to want to want to ask to do something like that. So, yeah, it was a, it was a big thing. <laughs> Kassan, as you were growing up, uh, your mom's in the military. You traveled around and were in different places. What what attracted you to Florida State? How did you learn about Florida State, and how did you get to Florida State? Well, it's a funny story. Like you said, my mom's in the military, so um, – I've I've seen uh, uh, many places. My sister actually went to the University of Kentucky, um, where she was coached under Coach Edgar Forrell. So I was actually signed to go to University of Kentucky in June, 
And so I was I was given a I was, my last three options was Texas Tech, um, the, the University of Arkansas, and the University of Kentucky. And being so close with the staff at University of Kentucky, and then my sister going there, um, I had signed to go to the University of Kentucky with a full ride scholarship. Everything was set in stone. All my paperwork was done, and of course, um, the track coach. And I want to say he left in June. He had left to go to the University of Texas. And my sister followed him, and all, everyone was following him. So at the very last minute, I was pretty much undecided where I was going to go because I hadn't really heard from him in that manner of him saying that I was going to be following him. Even though I knew it was a possibility, I hadn't had that communication. That line of commu- communication was not there. So at the very last minute, Andre Ewers, which is a, as you know, is a great sprinter here. He hit me up on Instagram, and he said, uh, "Man, we really want you. You know, we've seen that Coach Flo is leaving Kentucky, and if you're thinking about going somewhere, this is the place you need to be." And so um, after talking to Andre, he was telling me he's like, "Well, the coaches can't really talk to you right now, or whatever, but just you know, try to try to talk to somebody and try to get out here for a visit." So immediately I got my release from Kentucky and between like that thing we of getting my release, I was here for a visit and when I got to the campus I said, I love it. I, there's nowhere that I wanna go anywhere else. I wanna be here. And it's funny that when I actually came here on the visit to Kentucky coach, which was now at the University of Texas, called me and said, Hey man, we got a spot for we got a spot for you, you know, we got you got your money, are you ready to come? I said, I'm sorry, but I just visited Florida State, and I want to be a part of Simmel family. That is a good story. We're talking with Kassan James, a sprinter on the FSU track and field team. You know what's interesting to me about that? Now, Andre Ewers, and we've had him on this show, and uh, he he's out hurt right now. Is that correct? He didn't compete in the in the indoor uh, at, at ACC? Yes, he did not compete in the uh, ACCs, but uh, he, he's, a lot, he's better now. <laughs> yeah, he's recovering. Good, good. So we'll we'll hear about him in the outdoor season. But what I was going to say, yeah. Keith, and you can relate. I mean, I, uh, you know, you're a competitor. Maybe this is a, this is the track mindset when you're willing to go ahead and compete somebody that that's going to be competing against you. And I guess that's the nature of track. But I mean, that's a top sprinter right. saying, "Hey, you're a top sprinter. Why don't you come join us?" Uh, that says a lot right. about both you and him knowing that the competition level was going to be what it is. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, so. I, yeah go ahead. Yeah, well, Andre he hit me up, and I had I had known about Andre because we have both we're both coming from junior colleges. He went to uh, first South Plains, and then he went to Butler. So I had always knew about Andre. So when I see him doing amazing things at Florida State last year, especially outdoor, um, when he went nine seconds and nineteen seconds, I was like, okay, I really like what this coach is doing here because Andre Andre is not a super tall guy. Daryl Haraway is not a super tall guy. Um, Daryl Gay, all those guys that Coach has, he's not. They're not like really tall guys like Walter Dix and people that you see nowadays. So I was like, I think this would be a good fit for me because after talking to Andre and the, telling and him telling me the kind of workouts that he do and how the blocks and all that stuff, I was like, yeah, I like. I, yeah, I can see myself here just because of the guy's body build and their attitude. Did I read that there were six Florida State athletes in the finals of the sixty meters? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We had almost all the lanes, and um, apparently we're the top sixty meter group so far uh, in in the in the country so far this year. 
and that's without Andre Ures. You had six of the eight spots. Yeah. I mean, so that, that's, a lot, that's a lot of points. Well, you go to Indoor Nationals this week, uh, which are in Birmingham. Uh, you're the five seed nationally in both the 60 and the 200. So what's realistic in terms of what you think you can accomplish, part A, and then what the team can accomplish uh, from a championship standpoint this weekend? Um, I, I feel that anything is realistic. Um, the reason being is the every guy on that list that's above me, so I'm five, all the four guys in the, in the 200, I have raced them indoor and, and won at the meet that they have been at. So um so from from the number one seed to the number four seed this season i've I've pretty much stepped on the track with all these guys and and came away with a victory so I feel that the two hundred is is very possible to take home the gold. The only guy that I haven't raced um that is ranked higher than me right now is Grant Holloway, and that's in the sixty meter i mean sixty meter sorry. so i'm I'm excited to to um step on the line with him. But as far as as far as I'm concerned, I feel like anything is possible as far as this weekend, and I'm excited about it. Team wise, um, it just as sprinter, it's just me and um, Brian, the freshman. I feel like he is a phenomenal runner, so the, it's limitless with him as well. We have Trey Cunningham um, coming, of course. That's going to be an anticipated race, the 50 meter hurdle. Um, Courtney Jones, she's going to do great. So I feel like as far as the team aspect. On men's and women's, we have the potential to do really good. We're ranked 10 coming in for the men, and I want to say 13 coming in for the females. So I think that we can very much exceed those numbers. It's just everyone has to do what they have to do on that day. Final question for you, and good luck to you, certainly. Uh, yeah, number 10, number, number 10 for the men coming in, but... Florida State is is really geared from a, from the track side to be an outdoor team, not an indoor team. So, what you know is this exactly. is this a top five team or a team that can compete for a national championship on the outdoor side once you get there? Oh, most definitely. I know that once outdoor come, we're going to shock a lot of people. I mean, that's just the real the the reality of everything. We're an outdoor team simply because we're in Florida. We train outdoor. We never touch an indoor track until we go to these meets. And so with the ability and the talent that everyone has outdoor that has not even been shown yet uh, coming indoor, I, I really feel like we're going to shock a lot of people, and it's going to, it's going to be really good. It's going to be amazing. We look forward to uh, to seeing your race, to hearing about it. Best of luck to you. Thanks so much for a few minutes of your time, Kassan. Thank you. Kassan James, a junior sprinter from uh, Chesapeake, Virginia, just transferred into FSU. By the way, he was the men's track MVP at the ACC Championships, and uh, Keith, nothing like knowing that you've got to win the 4 by 4 and not finding out you're actually racing in the 4 by 4 until 30 minutes beforehand. Well, and the other part of it, and, and again, I realize that you know the 4 by 100 is, is much more important, but uh, just the passing of the baton. I mean, how many times did you practice that, i.e. very little? Right. And how many times have we seen a great four-man or four-woman team drop the baton and be disqualified? Well, the women didn't win the ACC championship because they were disqualified. Well, they ran for, out of lane. Yeah. They ran out of lane. And, yeah, but that's but, a, that's an excellent point. So, And, and Bob Brayman's got that team back uh, on track, pun intended, I guess, in terms of what the, <laughs> the level they compete at. Well, think at. about it. They compete indoor. We don't have an indoor facility. And I don't know if you've ever been to an indoor track. I've been to one. I've never run on it. That will come as no shock to our listeners that I have not run. But, you know, it is they have They have field events. Yeah, well, shut up. 
the, the, the track is banked. There's an incline to it uh, in the sprints, particularly the 60. You better have some good brakes because you're running into a pad yeah. at the end of it. Uh, I mean, it's a completely different environment. It, it is, and uh, I don't know that I've ever heard of six of the eight finalists being one school. That's Especially amazing. one of your top sprinters. That's amazing. Now. All right, we'll, we'll uh, take a break. We'll come back. We'll uh, bounce back to uh, basketball and football as we continue on Front Row Knowles. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. Families and businesses across North Florida rely on the Earl Bacon Agency for advice and counsel about their personal and business insurance programs. But not as many know we do the same thing for employee benefit programs and health insurance. Hello, I'm Lauren Bacon for the Earl Bacon Agency. Our experienced team can help you build programs for health, life, dental, and disability insurance that will let you attract and retain the best employees without breaking the bank. If you think it's time to look over your employee benefit program, call the Earl Bacon Agency at 870-2121 or visit us on the web at Earl Bacon. It's a March Mania sale here at Hobson Chevrolet. Whether it's a Chevrolet or a Buick, your best deal is always in Cairo, Georgia. With up to $10,000 off, trucks, cars, and SUVs, and the best used car inventory anywhere, you're always a winner. And don't forget about the Buick. The best line of Buicks anywhere and the best prices every day. So buy from a winning team. You'll never get a better deal or be treated better than right here in Cairo, Georgia. Come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy your new Chevrolet the Hobson way. Go Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, time to talk some uh, football as we are joined by our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. And we don't even have to crank up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Though I will remind you, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Keith, would you like to say something before I say hello to Tim? Tim actually showed his face in person. Man, we got to write this down. What show number is this? It's in the fine print. Once a year, we get together and do this all in the same room. Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld here. Tim, football has started. You were there, practice number one on uh, Monday. Initial impressions? You know, I thought it looked, as far as first practices in March go, pretty good. The, the, probably the number one thing that stood out to me is just how – much more comfortable players on offense looked just in terms of going fast and getting to the line of scrimmage and snapping the ball. You know, I'm not speaking for, you know, blocking assignments or, or route combinations or whatever the case may be, but they looked so much more comfortable snapping the ball, running a play, and then running to the line of scrimmage and snapping the ball, running another play. I mean, you, you saw plays uh, happening, you know, 10, 11, 12 seconds between plays, and it really was a market difference. Really, I thought it was uh, an obvious improvement from last fall, to say nothing of a year ago at the start of spring. So there's plenty of details to be ironed out, I'm sure, but I think having uh, a year in this type of system and and knowing the expectation and knowing what it feels like to go at the preferred pace, I do think is is showing up so far. 
So that's a product of what you just said, being a year in the system or new staff or, you know, some new staff members, both, all of the above? I, it could be partially the new staff. I don't know that I've seen enough to be able to determine that just yet. My inclination is to say just the familiarity with it, having a, a year in the system and, and just, like, like, no, again, knowing what that feels like. You know, a year ago, man, these guys had no clue. You say, okay, yeah, we're going to go fast and we're going to do this. But, you know, your body hasn't done that. You haven't felt that. And so now, uh, with the exception of some newcomers, everybody knows what the expectation is and so and what that what it feels like now you're still gonna have to you know work to meet that expectation consistently uh, but at least just having that baseline foundation I think is uh, is a good thing I, I think another thing that speaks to it based on people I've talked to that have seen the first practice is is a combination of familiarity but also the simplicity of the of the numbering system the color system particularly on offense about how they communicate the plays and how quickly the players can process what that means versus some of the things they did last year so they're more familiar with it and in it by nature and by design is maybe a simpler plan even though it all is going fast which was the point of all this in the first place right it was the idea of not having to think too much and i you know i believe we all kind of thought by the middle of last year that for as, as simple as it's supposed to be when it's working properly a lot of guys were having a hard time getting it and you know the thing about moving trains is they'll, they'll leave you and, and so that, that sort of you know I think kind of sums up a lot of what we saw from the offense last year but it doesn't feel again it's you know I don't want to overstate it. it's one practice uh, it was you know one open practice and, and there's a long way to go but to me uh, it, it was obvious that you know there are some differences and that guys looked a little bit more comfortable uh, in, in what they were doing. Where do you want to start, offense or defense? Let's start on offense. Ah, see, I was going to give the quarterbacks a pass, but if you want to start on offense, how do they? Let, let's start on defense. So, uh, among the changes on defense, Odell working with a bigger group up front. Uh, you have safeties moving to linebacker, linebackers moving to safety, just kind of moving some parts and pieces around. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny after so many years of kind of playing who has switched positions. There, there's a few. Uh, on on the roster, really across the roster, but no like major switches. Nobody switching from you know one side of the ball to the other. I, you know, I thought the, the the most obvious moves on defense, which is uh, Jaden Lars would be moving from linebacker to safety, and then Hampson Nasrul being in turn going from safety to linebacker. Uh, those to me make a lot of sense. Uh, I think they're both a little bit better built for those positions. Hampson being a little bit bigger, uh, but you know, it really kind of a thought. And, and Keith, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. Big picture, football wise is that the line between you know, bigger safeties and smaller linebackers seems to get more and more blurry by the day. You know, you see that with the star position, the money position. A lot of those those back seven spots, they're kind of more hybrids than anything else, and I think that they kind of work uh, really depending on what the offense is showing and what you need for a, a given a given system or a given game. But but those are the most obvious ones to me. Um, I, I really like what, what Jaden Lars would be, what I think he can bring to the safety position. Um, he was a uh, you know, I've had a really promising freshman year, and that's I think a more natural position to him. For him, what I'm curious to see going forward is we you know we did see Levante Taylor working some at safety, and I'm I'm wondering, um, you know, if if that's going to be a a more often than not situation, or if they're just getting a, a look at him there. We'll see because I do think they're going to have a bit of a. Um, I don't know if logjam is the word, and this kind of the the new Akeem Dent, the early enrollee, man, he stands out out there. I mean, he's you know first day of practice, and he looks like he's a, a veteran. And I said, man, I don't know, I don't know whose job he's coming for, or uh, or who he's going to make uncomfortable, but it's going to be somebody because my initial feeling, just watching him for a few hours, uh, he's going to be on the field in some form or fashion. Well, and I think to to answer the question you didn't ask, you're playing more with five and six defensive backs. 
So by nature, you're going to be playing with kids that are at 210, 215, 220 versus kids at 240 or 245. And secondly, the log jam will take care of itself because you're playing with five or six defensive backs. And it doesn't matter if you play with a third corner or a fourth safety. Uh, they're, they're defensive backs. And I go back to LaMarcus Joyner. You know, he wasn't the biggest person in the world, but he could tackle in open space and he could play up to the line of scrimmage. That's what's going to make that hybrid player. It's kind of like the slot receiver that we're seeing on offense now at both the pros and in, in college. It's a, it's a smaller guy that's quick. Doesn't have to have great speed, but he's a little bit smaller in size so he can move around. He's very quick in and out of his cuts. That's become a dominant position. The, the safety that can move up to the line of scrimmage, be it 215, 220, tackle in the open field, you may start playing with one and possibly two of those kids on the field at almost all times, given how the spread offenses are. Well, and you've kind of seen that, right? In recent years, even before Florida State changed staffs, the five defensive backs was kind of their base defense, and you saw a lot of that last year as well. And based on just really personnel more than anything else, I think it aligns nicely with the offenses that you see in the ACC. But the personnel that they have, I think their best bet is is going something like that and having you know nominally five defensive backs, but really you know all those guys are somewhat similar. And here's the other part: if I'm playing safety at 205 and I need to get up to 220 to play inside a little bit, that's 15 pounds. That's not like taking a 205-pound safety and asking them to gain 40 pounds to be at 245 to play linebacker, if, if that makes sense. So the, the body transition is just not the big thing it used to be anymore, depending on where you want to line up. And in fact, there was a story out at the, at the pro level that some, I forget the individual's name, but he was asking the NFL team, are you going to play me at corner or are you going to play me at safety? Because if I'm going to play at corner, I'm going to come in at 210. If you're going to play me at safety, I'm going to come in at 230. And he's, he was asking for direction from, from staff and coaching, where do you want me to be? And I can, I can change my body that little bit depending on the position. And they just say, let's put the difference coming at 220 we'll I, figure it out. I don't know what the answer was. Unfortunately, I seem to only go one direction on the, on the, when you're talking about the LBs. Speaking of LBs, here's a transition for you. I was going to ask you about Mark Snyder. So he's now going to be coaching uh, linebackers as well as special teams? Yeah, that was the, uh, the, the exact terminology was helping out with, uh, with the linebackers, and, and you saw him uh, with that group uh, during the open practice uh, the other day. Um, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how that all, all shapes out. I think we'll get a, a better sense of it. Um, as the spring progresses, but, but yeah, those are those are the staff changes that he's a full-time special teams coordinator, and uh, and I guess you know what what exactly does help out what the linebackers mean? Like you know, time will tell. But but that's where he's spending his time right now. And you look over and you see uh, Odell Hagens, and he's he's got a big group with those defensive linemen. So uh, being a bit of an adjustment period for everybody, obviously. But uh, but I'm I'm curious to see uh, where it leads. Am, am I the only one that's somewhat confused by the fact that you've got? six full-time assistants on offense and three full-time assistants on defense? No, you're not. I mean, it's, much has been made of this, and as long as you went there, hey, David Kelly right now is a recruiting coordinator. Do we think that's the permanent move for this year, or are we going through a kind of wait and see during spring and maybe he'll get plugged in where it looks like there's help needed? Uh, I think in terms of, of his title and, and the actual build makeup of the staff, yeah, I think that's probably permanent. Uh, I think David Kelly, uh, Willie Taggart considers him to be a, a really valuable part of the operation. I mean, he's shown himself uh, to you know what he can do in terms of uh, personnel and building a program, and he's a guy that you, you want in the fold. Obviously, the, the situation with him and the NCAA waiver and all that stuff didn't work out 
uh, the way that anybody wanted it to. But uh, I think you know Willie Taggart feels that the benefit of of having him on staff in that capacity certainly outweighs not right. So so that's what you're left with now. He is an on-field coach. He he counts toward the NCAA limit, and so that kind of you know it it it's an interesting little trail that that Florida State is blazing. I don't know that anybody else has done this. You've only been able to have. 10 full-time assistants, what, for two years now. So this is a kind of a new thing. Um, I, I would suspect that they will find a way for him to contribute. I don't know exactly in an on-field capacity. I don't know exactly what that is, uh, but he can. Um, and, you know, he almost can make him like a, a utility player type thing. I, you know, whatever, whoever needs a hand, whoever needs this, whoever needs, uh, and I don't even know, uh, you know, help with film study, whatever the case may be. He can kind of fill in the uh, any any cracks that there are, there might be. He can become your uh, analytics guy too on sure. game day if he's recruiting all week. You know, okay, here's where we are. Here's the yard line. Here's the down. Here's what you do. In my opinion, you're you're short-handed a little bit, uh, and, and and I don't know how that's going to make itself known. I'm just thinking it's going to be in a negative, but it's a one-year thing that can be fixed this time next year or earlier this time next year. And to Tim's point, maybe it can be a positive in terms of some other things. To, to your original point, though, it. I, you know, it seems like why not make David Kelly the special teams coach and leave Mark Snyder coaching defense full time to balance out and get you a fourth defensive coach? Yeah, and I don't know what went into those conversations. And, and look, it, it could work out that way or something similar to it. You know, everybody sort of has their titles. But the main thing is, you know, who counts toward the, the NCAA total? Uh, and then you can kind of do what you want with them. Uh, you know what I mean? And so... We'll see, uh, you know, and it could get to a situation where you're a couple practices into spring or maybe into the summer and you say, you know what, uh, I like this, I don't like this, let's shuffle some things around a little bit. Uh, I think, in, I, guess I, kind of, I guess the overall point I was trying to make earlier, I think in terms of personnel, I think you're set. In terms of roles, you know, I, I, I'm not sure what Willie Taggart is thinking on that. Maybe he, he reevaluates at some point and, and shifts some things around a little bit. Now let's talk offense. Let me say, well, let me say, oh, I'm trying to talk offense. Go well, let, me, let me say one more thing, too. Like, I understand, you know, like we said just a minute ago, and Willie Taggart basically said as much, and the, the situation didn't work out uh, the way they had hoped it would with the NCAA. They wanted to get an exception, uh, given that, you know, this rule was designed to prevent schools from hiring high school coaches in an attempt to, to sway recruits. Well, David Kelly didn't come from a high school, so you're hoping that, that that could provide an exception. The NCAA didn't see it that way, uh, and here we are. But, you know, look, and I understand, you know, maybe I'm the, the town crier here, but Nine-man staffs were a thing 48 months ago. It's not, not – 20, Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big math guy. Uh, two years ago, two, you know yeah, – It was – and, and everybody worked out just fine. <laughs> so uh, I'm not saying it's ideal, but I also don't think uh, it's a disaster not either. Right. It's what we do to kill time in the offseason waiting for the season to start. We, we, we uh, <clears throat> you know, pontificate about these things. All right, so uh, if James Blackman goes down, Nolan McDonald looked how good on Monday? I thought he looked all right uh, from what I could tell. I think that uh, watching him in drills where he had a lot of time to throw, meaning there was no pass rush and obviously isn't getting hit, he can give him some time to throw, and he can step up and throw a pretty nice ball. I mean, he was he was hitting guys in stride down the sideline and, and, and making some things happen. When you start complicating things a little bit, uh, and I think it's pretty obvious that, that he's not at the same level uh, as James Blackman. But I think uh, regardless of what happens – with with Jordan Travis's situation, uh, I know they're still hopeful for an NCAA waiver for him. Uh, I would suspect that Nolan McDonald would at least start out as the pretty defined number two, and then it would be on Jordan Travis to to put some heat on him uh, as time progresses. Because as of right now, if if you don't know about the waiver, um, then you have to assume that that Nolan McDonald is your number two, right? 
You do. Impressions, uh, albeit just, you know, a short sample size, on Kendall Bryles and Randy Clements. And Ron Dugans, for that matter. But, I mean, I mentioned the first two because they kind of came as a package deal. Well, let's start with those guys. Uh, I Man, I tell you what, I'm I'm really impressed with both of them. Um, and some of that stems from the, the sit-down interviews that Lane Hurt and I did with, with them a couple weeks ago. And some stems from just watching them uh, at practice. Both really, really sharp. Um, you can tell they have a vision and a plan for what they want. And they've worked together for so long. They, You know, I think uh, Randy Clements said he's known Kendall since he was eight years old. I mean, he's been around in that circle. So he's known him as a kid as a high school player, a college player, and now as a coach. I mean, you talk about guys who understand uh, what they're doing offensively. It's a really good thing. And, you know, I thought Willie Taggart made a, a, a pretty cool point the other day. Um, he said it's really important, maybe more than anything else, for your offensive coordinator and your offensive line coach to be on the same page, more so than the other positions because, you know, you got to – those guys have to be in lockstep more than anything else. And you think back, you know, Florida State's uh, – when Florida State had really good offenses under previous coaching staffs, that was kind of the case, right? Uh, and when they didn't, and even go back to last year when when, uh, when Walt Bell and Greg Fry didn't really have any previous association with each other, it didn't really add up. Uh, you know, that theory I think will be tested this year, obviously. We'll see. But you can't argue that Kendall Bryles and, and Randy Clements are uh, – I mean, they know each other really, really, really well. And so, uh, to me, that's a, a big plus. Watching Randy Clements coach the offensive line – uh, it's kind of just fun. I mean, the guy, he's like a, a motor, you know. It's, it, I don't know when he pauses to take a breath. I mean, the whole time he's giving out instruction, telling guys what to do, telling guys what not to do, uh, that sort of thing, and doing it in a way that I think applies to everybody at one time. He's not, at least to, to this, you know, so far, you know, talking to three or four guys while the other guys are waiting to hear their instruction. It's, it's, it's all very big picture. Um, and, uh, you know, be quite quite frank with you, it's it's a different style than than we've seen uh, in either of the, the the previous offensive line coaches since I've been around. I'm going to make the point. There's no way to make it without sounding like it's an absolute negative comment towards Rick Trickett, and I don't mean it from that standpoint. But we remember when Coach Trickett was here, and you'd be in a timeout or a delay in the game. Where would the offensive linemen be? All five of them would be out on the field over the ball. Where would Coach Trickett be? Way down there on the sidelines. That ain't going to be the case with Clemens. He's going to be with those kids wherever they are and whatever they're doing all of the time. He is a full-time, hands-on coach. No, and that's exactly right. And I mean, you can just, like I say you can just—I wish I could convey this better, but it's just watching him. You know, it's—it's it's just the way that that he is. It's, I mean, he just—you know—does just not stop, does not quit. And I, and in terms of just instruction, he is not like, you know getting after the guys he's not a a, a swearing machine at least not that i've seen so far you know he's not you know hat whipping guys or anything like that but i mean every single word that he says is instructional to you know what you're trying to do so i you know i think that's a a pretty cool thing he can only play the the cards that he's dealt but am i correct that he's not so interested in a you know a prototypical tackle size versus a guard size i mean it can be five guys, whatever they are, your tackles may look like guards, and he's okay with that with his system? Yeah, that's kind of my understanding, and uh, we didn't get too, too much into his actual offensive line system um, when uh, when we talked to him. You know, he, he kind of, I think, is building from the, the ground up was, was sort of what he indicated. It's like, you know, we got to work on base-level fundamental techniques before we start getting into the high-level scheme and strategy and all that kind of stuff so my you know my my understanding and my expectation is this uh this spring is going to be about relaying fundamentals for a lot of those guys and I think if you're a Florida State fan who watched uh last year that that probably sounds like pretty good news to you uh re- basically restart the whole thing and then come this fall you get a little bit more uh, advanced in in terms of actual strategy and tech you know or not t- actual uh, approach and you know this 
technique is what's coming and, and things like that and, and basics, and then you'll, you'll sort of graduate in the fall. All right, changing gears just a little bit moving forward because we've got to wrap this up. Um, home and home series with some big-name uh, teams. Been reported, been talked about, rumor, been rumored about. I, I think it's going to happen. I think you're going to see Florida State scheduling some home and homes like we did 15, 20 years ago, whether it be a Georgia or a repeat of an LSU or a USC or whoever it is or an Oklahoma. But I think you're going to see the schedule attacked in the next little bit, and I think there's going to be some announcements about it. I, I agree with you in terms of my opinion. I don't know anything. Uh, I'm not speaking for you know anybody other than me. Uh, but one, you know, I think the, the trend in college football you know, for a long time was the high-profile neutral site games, and obviously there's nothing wrong with that, and Florida State's been the beneficiary of some. But I think most college football fans at this point would probably suggest the pendulum swung maybe a little too far toward those, and now maybe it's swinging a little bit back. You know, you see in, you saw Clemson and, and Texas A&M schedule home and home that's happening. And I think, uh, one, with that pendulum swinging back, two, you, you look at some of the, the public comments that, that David Coburn, the interim athletics director, has made uh, in terms of, you know, putting a priority on getting people into Doak Campbell Stadium, uh, making season tickets more attractive, and, and making people want to come to Tallahassee for games and not necessarily Atlanta, Orlando, Dallas, whatever. Well, how do you do that? You, you, you bring Georgia in here. You bring Tennessee, LSU, Auburn, whoever. I know I'm just naming people from the SEC. But, uh, you know, I think that would be really, you know, make a lot of success, make a lot of sense, and particularly some of those SEC East schools. You know, you think about some of the ones that are within shouting distance of Atlanta. What a huge fan base you have in Atlanta for Florida State uh, fans and alums, and then the fact that you know you never play Georgia Tech in Atlanta anymore, it seems. Uh, that, to me, feels like it makes an awful lot of sense. Uh, given that and then given the priority on, on enhancing the, the game day experience at Doe Campbell Stadium and, and getting more fans in the seats, uh, that's the most obvious and best way to do it. And how often do you get a combination like that? I, I think it's going to work. Uh, obviously, the games aren't going to be played till. 2024 or five or six or seven, whatever it is. But I think the, the mere fact, and I go back to what, what happened leading up to the dynasty when Florida State was willing to play anybody anywhere, and then that came back to being some home games and home and homes, that, that lends itself for the next 10 or 20 years of building a foundation that can take the program back to maybe once where it was. Yeah, Florida State's fan base, maybe more than any's, got accustomed to that because FSU was an independent for so long, and that's why there's always been more interest in that, and the ACC has not been relevant in football, quite frankly, until recently. All right, Tim, we have overstayed our welcome, or you've overstayed yours or something like that. I was going to point out another thing that makes sense, though, is that our folks should go to Seminoles.com to check out your spring football coverage. Thanks, as always. Thank you, guys. Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, will come back, react to that right after this on Front Row Knowles. Seminoles.com is your source for Seminole sports. The only website to carry highlights, original content, and game stories for all 20 of Florida State sports programs. All official releases from the FSU Athletics Department will always appear on Seminoles.com before any other outlet. Seminoles.com live streams Willie Taggart's press conferences and features. All live radio broadcasts of FSU football, men's and women's basketball, and baseball games are available for free. Plus, the web's most detailed live stats broadcasts of FSU sporting events. Log on to Seminoles.com. Great deals on new, yeah, but have you seen our used car inventory? We are Truck Central. Best used truck selection anywhere, from this 93 Stepside Silverado to this 2016 GMC 2500 Duramax Diesel 4-Wheel Drive and everything in between. 
You'll never get a better deal or be treated better than right here at Hobson Chevrolet Buick in Cairo, Georgia. Come see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy your Chevrolet the Hobson way. Go Knowles! Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. If one quote can save you 15% on car insurance, imagine how much 9 or 10 quotes might save you. Hello, I'm Bobby Bacon for the Earl Bacon Agency, and we've been independently shopping insurance for local families and businesses for more than 50 years. Our company partners include top national carriers like Auto Owners, Nationwide, Travelers, and Liberty Mutual. And we don't just stop at car insurance. We also shop the best deals on home, health, and life insurance. So if you believe your insurance program could use an upgrade, there's a better way to shop. Call the Earl Bacon Agency at 878 or visit us on the web at earlbacon.com. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back. We'll wrap things up. Uh, I'll remind you, and you just heard it, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for any of your do-it-yourself projects. They will help you out. 580-1200 or ctf.nu on the web. Also, uh, we didn't mention this earlier in the show, but uh, thoughts with uh, Bob Hobson and everybody in uh, in Cairo. Bob's been a big sponsor of our show as well, and we all know about the storm that went through Sunday that uh, uh, some of us fared better than others, and clearly Cairo uh, did not come out all that great. I talked to Bob early Monday morning uh, just to check on him, and uh, no, no damage at the dealership, Hobson Chevrolet Buick, but a couple of blocks over from his from his dealership there was uh, in what what they refer to as the downtown area um you know a little bit of not well for them a lot but a small area of some pretty intense demonstra- uh, 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 what's the word i'm coming for damage damage thank you and then i i also ventured out uh monday morning uh, around the bomb community because that's out where i live and um you know some folks got hard hit out there as well uh, according to the paper an f2 uh, tornado right. touched down at least twice and kind of hopped a little bit and uh kathy kathy's calculations to whatever degree she's a meteorologist she thinks that storm went right over our house and uh, so we were very very fortunate okay let's go back to football as we wrap things up we had a long conversation with tim lenefelt uh so there was a lot to react to that we haven't reacted to yet uh one thing in particular you wanted to, to double back about is the relationship between the offensive line coach and the coordinator which clearly in the case of Bryles and Clements is pretty significant because it was a package deal two for one for them to come here two things about that number one hats off to uh David Coburn the acting athletic director from the standpoint we call him acting or interim I guess he's the interim now so anyway sir we call him sir that's correct but but David was steadfast and in patience because the normal move would be to go get whoever you want and get them quick and pay whatever you got to pay to get them well, because David made Coach Willie and the others be patient, they were able to get Bryles, they were able to get Clements, they were able to get Dugans without buyouts, without buyouts. Now, they weren't here in time maybe to help with recruiting that you would like, and maybe there's some other financial things that we don't know about that, <clears throat> pardon me, came into play. But that came in, that, that, that part of it, I think we can take our hats off to David for working through. And then the second part, back to my point, the, the relationship between the offensive coordinator and the line coach, that's always been important, 
but it is more so important if you're running the up-tempo because the, the five offensive linemen have got to be in tune with what the quarterback is doing and what the play caller is doing, and they all need to come from the same page and be of the same ilk and mindset. And that's why I haven't talked to Kendall personally about it, but I, I, I would understand that's why he felt so strongly, Coach Willie felt so strongly, and why LFSU ultimately – had the patience and went after and got Clements because they had worked together. And that relationship between offensive coordinator and offensive line coach, I think is, is part of the reason that FSU didn't do well last year because those two coaches and Greg Fry and Bell had never worked together. They'd worked in similar systems, but they would never worked together. And, and arguably and, and understandably, there was some form of a disconnect there because it didn't, they didn't perform well last year. It shall be fun, uh, as you pointed out at the top of the show. They're unbeaten. They are in this new era, undefeated in twenty nineteen. I, I do think, just to, to go back to your first point, there there is some buyout involved with Bryles, but your point is that it's a lot less than what it would have been potentially. Yeah, Cer- for, certainly. Me, I don't Clement, know all. The, I don't know certainly all the details. On, yeah, on, on Clements, and I don't think. I don't think. Uh, I'm sure it's been foiled, and I don't know that we've seen all of the exact details on that yet. But what happened is Houston fired its coaching staff, and so Florida State said, "Well." We'll, we'll we'll get in this poker game with you, and we'll wait till you fire Clements, so we don't have to to pay the buyout. Exactly, and normally you just you reach out because you want to get them right. now and immediately. And sometimes those are not the best financial decisions. They may be the right decision because of circumstances. But again, hats off to uh, to to David and 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 those involved that you know they were able to massage that a little bit and make it uh, better. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Keith Jones, uh, it, it has reached the. The favorite time of the year for him, yeehaw! And what you don't know is it's 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 more so my favorite time of the year because we're about to hit the period where I don't see you until April. If things go well on the basketball front, you'll be in Charlotte next week. Last year, if memory serves, you were in New York for a week, in Nashville for a week, in L.A. for a week, following the basketball team around. So I was gone seventeen days in March last year and and had a blast. I hope blast. I hope you're gone about 24 days this March. I don't want that many. Maybe I don't want that many, but I'll be happy to do 19 or 20. Point being, there's a pretty good chance that we will not be in the same room as we move through March on this show. You'll be on the horn from wherever you are uh, starting next week when we chat and you're in Charlotte. I'll, and I'll be happy to call in from wherever I am. I, I, and we'll even accept the call. We won't accept the charges, but we'll accept the call. No collect calls. <laughs> Oh, man. Safe travels. Keep Gene uh, in line. Not in charge. Good luck with the uh, ACC tournament. Folks, thanks for tuning in. Uh, We do this every Wednesday at 6. We'll talk to you again next week. So long. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC.
Families and businesses across North Florida rely on the Earl Bacon Agency for advice and counsel about their personal and business insurance programs. But not as many know we do the same thing for employee benefit programs and health insurance. Hello, I'm Lauren Bacon for the Earl Bacon Agency. Our experienced team can help you build programs for health, life, dental, and disability insurance that will let you attract and retain the best employees without breaking the bank. If you think it's time to look over your employee benefit program, call the Earl Bacon Agency at 870-2121 or visit us on the web at Earl Bacon. It's a March Mania sale here at Hobson Chevrolet. Whether it's a Chevrolet or a Buick, your best deal is always in Cairo, Georgia. With up to $10,000 off, trucks, cars, and SUVs, and the best used car inventory anywhere, you're always a winner. And don't forget about the Buick, the best line of Buicks anywhere and the best prices every day. So buy from a winning team. You'll never get a better deal or be treated better than right here in Cairo, Georgia. Come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy your new Chevrolet the Hobson way. Go Knowles. From the Tallahassee Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat Studios, this is 97.9 ESPN Radio, WTSM, Woodville, Thomasville, Tallahassee.